0: Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. Janine and I took a road trip this weekend went to Quincy on Saturday and saw what Matt was talking about last week on the podcast. There's a lot of beans over there yet to be planted the first time. Looks like they're replanting corn and more corn to replant when those ponds dry up. From there we traveled up to northeast Iowa. The frost damage from uh, Friday was visible Uh, already by uh, anything north of I-80 but more significant the damage was north of Highway 20. No-till beans and corn definitely were hit uh, the hardest as well as the outside rows like ours was here on Mother's Day. Pictures and reports coming in from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. This frost was a big event and it it did a lot of damage to no-till soybeans and it's going to cause a lot of acres to be replanted. Outside of no-till beans, the corn looked worse than the soybeans, but the small corn was blowed off right at the ground for the most part, and the big corn took a lot of damage to those upper leaves, which is going to cause some wrapping and onion leafing. But I do believe most of the corn uh, is going to come out in pretty good shape. Any fields that were sprayed ahead of the frost were scalded worse. And this is somewhat common as plants are trying to metabolize the herbicide. And our surfactants tend to change leaf wax covering, making it more susceptible to the frost. But I still do believe most of the corn will bounce back. It will delay pollination a few days, kind of like when we burn seed corn to set it back. But it won't knock it back um, weeks or anything like that as some growers were worried about. Growers have asked, should we move away from no-till beans, especially if we're planting early? Mm, that's kind of a roll of the dice. These frost events are over the last few years are rare. Uh, and if you remember last year, our tilled beans and our strip till beans were up when the frost came and our no-till bean uh, fared a lot better because it wasn't up. So I think it's a risk that we take um, just like we would uh, any planting year, is not to group all your planting dates in the same window. And in this case, uh, being ready to react when when it goes against one of those windows. In a recent podcast, I mentioned that this could be the least amount of replant that we've seen in years. I, I was talking about central Illinois. I, I apologize to you guys up north if I jinxed you with that comment. Here locally, I walked uh, out over our plots um, and looked at our early planted 2.2 beans and 3.4 beans this morning here at the college campus, and we are starting to flower. These beans were planted April 4th. They are now at R1 on June 4th. The 4-1 beans look like they'll be flowering next week. These beans are about V5 to V6, and they had very little frost damage which means we could have a lot of beans at the R1 stage next week. That, again, being your early planted beans. Those of you with non-GMO beans that are spraying with the diphenyl ether that tends to burn the beans, you need to get this done so you don't knock off those early flowers when they show up. Don't just go by bean size or days from planting. These beans are stacking nodes and they're actually shorter uh, they, they look younger than they are but they're actually starting to, to stack on the nodes and they're getting ready to start the flowering. With these temperatures and low humidity we're seeing some pretty strong reaction to post sprays in both corn and beans. Corn showing a, that limp type of look or the scalding on the top leaves and beans are showing burn from the post field uh, applications stronger and quicker than we usually expect. Most of this is cosmetic and won't have much of an effect on yield. You guys up north may want to pause a little bit if the weeds will allow it for some recovery of the frost um, before you start your post spraying. Getting a lot of concerns on stalled out beans and corn. Fields becoming uneven and changing colors, showing that pale green with corn we have two things going on the carbon penalty which we talked about last week and i'll have some have zach post some youtube video on that and what we call the ugly corn syndrome the carbon penalty is causing the yellowing and pale green colors that are showing up in both corn and beans this is a soil temperature related Um, When soil temperatures get above 65 degrees, that microbe population starts to explode. Every 10 degrees, the population doubles. So this explosion sucks up nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur. On the other side, the ugly corn syndrome is stunted corn. It can be as green as the rest of the field, but it's stunted. It's it's at the same collar as its neighboring plants, but it's not as uniform. Ugly corn happens at a growth stage, so it happens in that V4 to V5 range, and that's when the seed roots are handing off to the first two sets of true crown roots. If anything is messed with the development of those two sets of crown roots, this handoff doesn't go very well, and it now becomes visible. So we're talking about compaction, wheel tracks, sidewall smearing, herbicide issues, They're all going to become visible in the stunted plants. Again, they'll have the same number of collars, but they're going to be stunted in growth. So carbon penalty is temperature related and carbon load sensitive. It can happen to any size of plant. Corn on corn, corn in high carbon cover situations, of course, are going to be worse. If you didn't plan for that um, in, in managing your residue, for instance, if you're If you're not doing a good job spreading soybean residue coming out of the back of the combine and you streak that residue, that's what you're going to see now is that corn yellowing over that residue, especially if you planted your corn straight and you cut your beans at a slight angle. Sometimes it makes it easier to see that from the road when you're going by. The ugly corn syndrome is a size thing, not a temperature. So that's B4, v 5 In a number of fields, this is happening at the same time, both ugly corn and carbon penalty. So we have uneven growth and yellow corn. Again, the corn will come out of the carbon penalty, depending on how you manage your fertility to handle the carbon penalty. Ugly corn will look better over time because the big plants will outgrow the stunted plants but it will delay pollination and it does have an effect on ear size. Both issues can be managed around. Pest teams need to identify the causes so we can eliminate them for next year. If you're not willing to manage around these issues, my advice would be not to plant a G-hybrid that right now in this stress is going from 18 around to 14 around to manage that stress itself. Fields that are uneven now will pollinate uneven as well. And it'll take more intense scouting at pollination. The majority of our soybeans are also caught in this carbon penalty, especially the frosted and later planted beans. This is causing beans to go into a stall. Growers are asking, With these heat units, why aren't we seeing these beans jumping? These beans are dealing with a nutrient deficiency just like your yellow corn and almost all of them are planted into last year's corn residue where we have high carbon loads. The bean will make its own nitrogen but not until about V4. Plants that have made it to V4, V5 are really starting to pop and take off while plants at V3 are stalled. Again, stalled because of a nitrogen deficiency, uh, which stunts growth. When we stunts growth, we can't get to V4, we can't get to V4, we can't make our own nitrogen, and it just stalls us out. We split nodules on some V3 plants yesterday, and there was a slight hint of pink, meaning they're getting close to producing their own end. These plants will pop through the carbon penalty in the next week, Plants that are smaller than V3, it could take 10 days, 2 weeks to get through it. In my mind, a starter application to help push these beans through this carbon penalty would be the ticket. But so far, it's only happened in my mind. Our starter plots are greener and show less carbon penalty stress. But in the past, the plots have not consistently showed us a bump in yield. On the pest front, today, June 4th, we're finding cut plants from cutworm here in the Hayworth area. Bubba up north said he had one field planted into cover and that he thought he had cutworm feeding on almost every plant. This is the flight we expected, cutting to take place on June 5th and 6th. So pest teams, be sure to check any fields that had cover crops or heavy winter annual pressure close for cutting. A lot of fields have outgrown the risk of cutworm, but the later planted fields need to be watched. We're dealing with some marginal stands with the corn planted through the Mother's Day weekend and the following few days. Some of these fields are being replanted while others were on the line and we're leaving them. Do not let the cutworm take any more of those. Stay on top of those tough marginal fields. Boys, cutworm scouting takes place in the field, not from the road. One thing showing up from the road in both corn and beans is the damage from the 13-line ground squirrel. These varmints are devastating, and they're just wiping out the stands around their colonies. Now, replanting these holes usually just gives them a second helping. I believe the reason these varmints are so bad this year is we didn't get some three-inch rains to drown out some of the young. Pest teams need to drop a pin and mark these dens when you find them. Put bait stations out now to try to pull the numbers down. and Plan to go back and put bait stations out late March next year. We'll try to knock the males down before the mating season begins. Side dress is going well and continues to look very nitrogen-friendly here locally. Not, not so much for the growers in Quincy area. Their nitrates show the high amount of rain that they have been dealt with. I know it sucks when you have to go back and add nitrogen to a program when it wasn't planned. But boys, we never walk away from a growing crop. The cost of extra nitrogen compared to today's corn prices... Do not get caught with your corn turning yellow mid-ear fill. When we run out of nitrogen, it's game over. There'll be no podcast next week. Zach and I are going to slip away and do a little fishing. Unfortunately, we can't get into Canada yet, where we usually go, but maybe next year. We're headed to northern Minnesota instead. The forecast for fish camp is 97 to 99 degrees. It's only 88 here at Hayward. I wish someone would explain that one to me. Maybe the forecasters heard that we were coming, and they thought, you know, with bright people like that coming up here, it's got to get warmer. I know, I know, pretty lame, but I had to take a shot. You'll be in good hands while we're gone. Katie and Isaac will continue to crank out the nitrate results, and Isaac and Matt will be available to handle any issues as they come up. To stay up to date, Check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.